0: Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. Patty, how are you this week?
1: I am positively fantastic, Gary. I don't even know when this is coming out. So I don't know what is relevant to discuss with the fine people that listen to our podcast. Um, but just know that we're recording this from the past. And we always record it from the past because we release it in the future, but this is likely a week or two in the past. So, you know. I don't know. Ireland could have exploded. The two of us could be incinerated by the time you actually get to listen to this, in which case I hope we have provided some valuable information over the years. But aside from that now, Gary, how are you? You were, uh, you know, enjoying your summer. You were, uh, you're nearly back
0: in college now. So what's the story with you? I'm actually recording from the future. It's, uh, 2040. Um, the U.S. is a third world country. Ireland, are now leaders of the free world. And uh, President uh, Brian O'Angus uh, has just uh, put us all under martial law for COVID-29, uh, which has been uh, ramping, rampant over the last year, um, or 11 years, I should say. But uh, other than that... Life is good. Back to college in two weeks time Um, on placement in the hospital. And that's the case for the whole year. So the boring academic classroom focused stuff is done. And I'm just going to be on placement for the vast majority of the year. So let's be um, honest. The classroom stuff is way more interesting. Is it, Jeff? By far and away. Absolutely not. You couldn't be more incorrect. Um. But yeah, today you go to a place
1: that's just doesn't make sense. Like, obviously, I know the injured people or the sick people have to physically go to a place, but just wasting your time commuting. But again, a lot of people listen to this podcast while commuting. So maybe they're not wasting their time. Who knows? Anyway, Gary, what are we talking about today?
0: Today, we're talking about fat loss and whether or not you need it.
1: Fantastic. And uh, do you want to kick that off or would you like myself to kick it off?
0: No, I'll kick it off. I'll kick it off. This is this is my show. Yeah. So the, uh, the question is: do you need to lose fat? Should you lose fat? Should you pursue fat loss? And the reason this is an important thing to consider is because it's often an assumption that, well, we should all just get leaner and obesity is a problem, and being leaner is better, and you are you're gonna look better if you're leaner, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And there's a good reason for that to be true for many people. But for many people, especially those that we tend to come across in our kind of corner of the health and fitness space, fat loss isn't necessarily what they need. And in some cases, it can make pre-existing problems worse. And the easy example of that would be someone who's been just perpetually dieting. You know, you've been dieting for what seems like forever. You might be on and off dieting for five or 10 years. And you're in this position where you're not totally happy with your body, but you know if you were if, if you were to ask anyone else, they'd say you look pretty lean, you're in decent shape, you might not have abs, but you know, by all standards, you're you're in pretty decent shape. And you still may feel like, well, I just need to get leaner, I just need to get leaner, I need to keep dieting. And there comes a point where that is just counterproductive, and it's actually holding you back from progressing in other domains, both specific to fitness and beyond fitness, such as your performance um, in the gym, such as setting athletic goals, whether that be, you know, uh, running a 5k, running a 10k, playing a sport, squatting double body weight, or performance in other avenues, such as being a good parent, you know, it's very difficult to um, be a good parent or family member or colleague, if all you're ever focused on is restricting your food, not eating out, eating from Tupperware, stressing over um, meal prep and stuff like that, it's very difficult to give attention to those uh, things if you're constantly just dieting. Um, And obviously, then, if you're constantly trying to diet and you're feeling crap about failed attempts at dieting and losing fat, then that can affect your psychological well-being and, and can then carry over into, you know, your mood um, anxiety, um, poor body image, and then obviously poor performance in, in work and general life as a result of that. So, um, fat loss isn't always what you need, but, um, hopefully in this podcast, we can, we can clarify as to when it might be a good idea and when maybe you should take a foot off the gas.
1: Yeah. This is, this is one of those things like, like I do all the, the consultation calls and all, all the consultation calls, but if someone's looking to sign up with us, right generally you'll be speaking to me first, right? And I could not tell you the amount of people that come to us looking for a specific goal that we effectively turn away because that goal isn't actually a good goal. Like that sounds real condescending being like, oh, I'm here to dictate whether your goal is good or not, you know? But in reality, it's like th- th- what people are looking for or what these people are looking for, it- it's not actually aligned with what they actually want, you know? And, and that sounds a bit weird because they're, how, how can that be the case but often people think that they want a certain thing but it actually in reality is taking them away from what they actually want and the way i always conceptualize this is and we've talked about it before there's effectively three goals with all this health and fitness stuff now obviously there's not just three goals which your entire life but with all this health and fitness stuff it can kind of be boiled back to you have health related goals you have body composition related goals and then you have performance related goals right and it's very rare that you're going to have someone that's like, Oh, all I care about is the body composition goal. Right. That's the only thing for me. Right. Even the people that say, Oh, like all I care about is, you know, getting lean or, you know, building muscle or doing whatever. Most often they actually do have other goals in terms of, you know, they want to feel a certain way. They want to like be at a health level or be at a health level that is, you know, congruent with the other goals that they have in their life. Like they want to be able to live to, you know, 90 rather than just like, oh, I looked great for one year when I was 25 and then I died. You know, like it's very rare that you're going to have someone to say that says that. Obviously those people do exist, you know, but it, it's rare, right? And um, But the main thing you see is people chasing body composition goals at the expense of performance goals, which actually then hinders their body composition goals longer term, right? Like I will have, like I've gone through so many consultation calls where someone will come to me and they'll say, I want to get leaner. I want to lose fat. I want to engage in a fat loss phase, but I don't have as much muscle as I want to actually look the way that I want overall. Right. And then when you inquire a little bit deeper, and you're like, okay, well, what have you been doing? How has the last few years looked? You come to realize that a lot of people are in this perpetual state of dieting, this perpetual state of fat loss. And there's a few things that go on here. It's First of all, people try to lose fat and they never actually succeed in getting as lean as they want and this is one thing that we need to address on this podcast which is you know realistic body composition levels right so we'll keep that in our heads for later and um, but people will also basically be on this merry-go-round of oh i tried a fat loss diet and then you know i got a certain level of leanness you know we'll call them side effects uh, became too prominent and i had to you know increase calories again or maybe i started binge eating or whatever something else happens and then as a result of that they then end up with more body fat or they end up not actually able to maintain the level of leanness that they had and this is very frequent very common where you see people going like oh i want to basically build more muscle over time and i know to do that you know i'm going to need to eat more but what often happens is and it's, it's generally good advice it's like most people say get leaner first so you start from a more insulin sensitive position you start from a position where you're actually able to see your muscles etc etc and But what people do is they aggressively diet to get lean and then they try to increase their calories. But because fat loss isn't exactly, uh, or sorry, fat gain isn't exactly easy to see initially, you know, like obviously you're gonna see a little bit of blurring of the lines or whatever, but you can actually gain quite a lot of fat without visually gaining quite a lot of fat uh, when you're very lean, right? And this is, you know, again, we'll come back to realistic body composition standards and stuff in a second, but What often happens is people end up eating more and more and more. They're like, oh, I'm actually not gaining any fat. I'm in a great position of building lots of muscle when in reality, they're probably not building that much muscle. They are actually gaining fat. It's just in less obvious places, right? And then they end up in a thing where, you know, three months after the end of their diet, they have actually gained like 20 pounds or 10 kilos and nine kilos of that was fat, right? So they end up in this stage where then they can never actually commit to a full, we'll call it a lean gain phase or a bulking phase or a gaining phase, whatever terminology you want to use, because now they're in a position where they're uncomfortable with their body. They're in a position where they have effectively set themselves up to want to or to start thinking about engaging in another fat loss phase, right? And this is the fitness industry 101. This is the vast majority of people will do this. They'll apply it down, maybe they don't get as lean as they want to do, and then they'll start gaining. They gain too aggressively and then they end up in a position where they have too much fat for their own liking and then they actually start dieting again. And we start this vicious cycle back and forth, this yo-yo up and down and up and down. And obviously that's not conducive to long-term progress. That's not conducive to you being in a position in five years time where you're like, wow, I've actually spent five years in a gaining phase where I didn't gain that much fat. You know, obviously we'll say, even if it's 50, 50 fat to muscle gain, like if you're able to stay in a surplus for longer, you're going to be the one that builds more muscle. That's just a simple case of it. Right. And so we want to actually set up fat loss correctly from the start. However, to do that, we actually need to take a step back and assess whether fat loss is correct for you right now, right? Because the thing that might be correct for you right now versus the thing that might be correct for you over the longer term, they might not align. So we actually have to set some like goals ahead of time, right? And while fat loss might be a goal, that doesn't mean that that necessarily needs to be the goal right now right? That is something that you need to be aware of. Like you might want to lose some body fat, but that doesn't mean that you have to do it right now. So we need to be very clear on that. And there's especially obviously a few cases, which is that just come to mind. Like it's very big in the fitness industry nowadays to talk about like people's relationship with food um, and then the relationship with themselves. Like if you think losing fat is going to solve your relationship with food, or it's going to solve your relationship with your body and your like body image overall, like you're deluded, right? It's just not going to be the case. Like, while it might help for some people, like there's always going to be people that certain interventions help. For the vast majority of people, if you hate your body and you have this like, you know, all or nothing binge restrict cycle mentality around food, eating a calorie deficit is not going to solve that. So we need to be very aware and very clear on our overall goals with what we're actually trying to achieve with the diet rather than just going like, oh, you know, in the health and fitness industry, being lean is seen as a good thing. So I'm just going to lean out. Like, or I'm going to you know, diet down so that I lose some fat. Like, this is not necessarily the good, a good goal for you overall. So Gary, can you speak to the the concept of like effective goal setting, I suppose, um, right now? like why like when would we be like right yeah fat loss is just perfect let's go for you it's all all go all lights ahead boom fat loss and then what would be some sort of like we'll call them red flags in your mind if someone came to you and they're like I want to lose fat and you're analyzing their overall goals and you're like this isn't uh, the correct situation for fat loss right now for
0: you yeah there are a couple of things that jump out as red and yellow flags we'll say red flags being the kind of more absolute contraindications where I'm very unlikely to kind of go ahead and start this person on a diet and yellow flags being more relative contraindications where you know there are potential points of concern but not necessarily things that I'm immediately not going to to put someone on a diet um, because of and some of the red flags I suppose would be very significant um history of failed diets, recurring, um, binge eating plus or minus, maybe a more formal eating disorder diagnosis. All of those things are the, they're the low hanging fruit, really. They're the things that we, when we see them and we spot them, all right, let's address that, um, ASAP. And sometimes addressing that, um, might just mean referral for for further psychological interventions, um, and, and more expert support because, if someone is coming to us and, you know, especially if they're got like, let's say binging and purging behaviors, um, they're already at a point where, uh, they're quite lean and it's like, it's very clear that more fat loss isn't required or healthy, then those things are, are obvious red flags. And to be fair, I think, um, most people would be familiar with that. Most um, personal trainers would be able to, to spot that and recognize that there's something pathological there, but there's kind of a step down from that where, It's not very explicit, um, but more so implicit. And an example of that would be something like if someone has, let's say, been doing bikini competitions or bodybuilding physique competitions, and they've been doing that constantly over time um, for multiple years, let's say. And after each competition, they kind of gain lots of weight for a period of time, and then they're immediately getting back into another competition. And from their perspective, they view it as a very you know, normal relationship they have with their body and with uh, their goals, they think that this is normal. But When you dig a bit deeper, you notice that, oh, you know, you never actually recovered a normal menstrual cycle. Um, You have very low libido, male or female. Um, You've got other symptoms like maybe low mood, anxiety, etc., that potentially are tied in with these repeated efforts of prolonged restriction and dieting to sub physiological levels of body fat. There are some of the things that won't immediately uh, jump out at you unless you ask a little bit further. Because what often actually happens is that when people are in that more expert position, I guess, because if you're competing in a bodybuilding show or a physique competition or bikini competition or whatever, you know a little bit about fitness like you probably think that you you know what you're doing and it's very easy when you have a bit a bit of knowledge to justify your own behaviors um, and we say this all the time where some people will basically be 100% on plan or off plan and what happens here is people will be 100% on plan for the 12 weeks or 16 weeks or 20 weeks that they're preparing for their competition and then afterwards it's just a free for all eat whatever they want stop going to the gym until they eventually get back on plan. So there are some of the things that I would be very hesitant to push someone towards fat loss uh, without addressing, especially if there's explicit health complications, whether they be psychological or physiological or both. Yeah, and then, um, this is just on yeah. that,
1: this is one of those things where it's like, you might not even realize that this is you, you might not even realize that this is the people that you follow, but a really you know easy way to kind of spot this just out the gate is, if you see someone competing in like the spring shows and then the autumn shows, you have to realize that they are basically dieting all year round right and you also start noticing this especially in like you know competitors and stuff where you know after their show they just it's all throwback pictures it's never like oh this is what i currently look like you know and then when they get you know about six weeks out again from the next show they did the spring shows and then it's you know time has passed with all those throwback pictures and then you know six weeks after the next show they're like oh yeah now here we go i'm you know, this is my current physique. You're like, you can pretty much assume that they've gone through some sort of, you know, restriction period to get competition lean, which is required for the sport, and then they've just basically been off plan or blown up afterwards. And it's like, this is not a good position, mentally, psychologically, physically, like physiologically, or anything to be in, constantly, right? And again, you might think, okay, well, that's just competitors. That's not me. But just also think about your average dieter. They basically do the same thing they'll diet down for 12 weeks. They're like, Oh yeah, really on my shit. I'm really on point with all this stuff. And they might not actually get to like, you know, competition levels of leanness. Um, but they still end up in a position where it's you know lower than they potentially have ever been before in terms of body weight, in terms of body fat. And then they end the diet. And especially if the diet was not set up, like correctly, it was not set up in a more sustainable manner. They then, you know, blow up again, gain a load of body fat. And then they, are on a new diet They're after that, you know, it's like they basically do 12 weeks of dieting, a month of binging, 12 weeks of dieting, a month of binging and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, right? So this applies not only if you're a competitor, it applies if you are just your average general population individual who finds themselves in this cycle of dieting down. Oh, I'm really on my shit. Oh, I'm all the way off my shit. Like everything is out the door. Everything is out the window. I don't even know what a macro is anymore. I don't even know what protein is. I don't have any good health habits whatsoever. Um, and then they're just like, all right, well, how did I gain 20 kilos? I'm going to start a new diet phase, a really aggressive one, because, you know, the last time I was, you know, I blew up afterwards. So the only obvious, obvious option after that is to be more aggressive <laughs> in my approach. Right. And that's genuinely the debate people think. And obviously that's not conducive to long-term progress and just a further thing to that especially because it can seem like this you're we're almost just like criticizing people's approaches but a really good way to understand whether your approach is you know maintainable forever or you know sustainable whatever words you want to use and um, is if you actually know how to maintain And you actually have a plan of action for maintaining, right? Like if you follow someone and they've never talked about just like maintaining or sustaining the results that they've gotten, or you yourself have only ever thought of things in terms of I'm either on my shit or I'm off my shit, like you need to realize that you are missing one third of the picture. You know, it's like this, this actual maintenance stuff. And while I say it's one third of the picture, realistically, it's the bigger part Of the picture because while yeah you can diet down you can look for fat loss and while yeah you can be in this like surplus and you know gaining body fat gaining muscle or whatever like realistically there's a time point in your life where you want to focus on maintenance realistically there's a time point in your life where you want to really just focus on being able to sustain the results that you've gotten so if the person you follow never talks about that if you have never thought about that we need to start assessing whether fat loss is actually the critical thing right now. Right. Because this is something that, you know, I'll often do with, with clients. I'll actually just start them off in a maintenance phase where, you know, we're not explicitly being like, right. Fat loss is the overall goal, even though fat loss might be their goal down the, down the line. And um, what we're doing right now is we're just working on foundational habits. What we're doing right now is just working on, do we actually have good, you know, distribution of food threat today? Do we have good, you know, sleep habits, stress management habits, all the other stuff that goes into making a cohesive, really well-structured diet. And while body fat levels might not change, muscle mass levels might not change, et cetera, et cetera, we end up in a far better position where if we do want to go into a fat loss phase, we have the ability to do that, right? So maintenance is a a key part of the overall puzzle. Anyway, sorry for interrupting you there, Gary.
0: No, that's all good. That's spot on. And and I suppose like there's some of the, the explicit things that I was mentioning and what I'd like to mention as well is the fact that, um, some of these other yellow flags, I guess you could say, one of the things that comes up quite frequently, um, especially with people who maybe take up long distance running, um, CrossFit, other types of maybe more extreme activities where there's lots and lots of training involved is some people will tell me that they're interested in, performance and they want to do a lot more training. But what it's actually doing is masking um, an underlying desire to just get leaner. Like all they're trying to do is actually just burn more calories to facilitate maybe a poorer relationship with food. And for that type of individual, it's not necessarily that we're just not going to pursue fat loss, but I'd also be questioning their actual performance goals and why they're doing what they're doing. Um, You do see this very frequently, even in people who are are just bodybuilding where they will do two hours of cardio per day, like while they're bulking. And it's like, why exactly are you doing that? And sometimes they might say, Oh, I just want to stay healthy. And maybe they are like, some people do that, but a lot of the time it's actually just trying to facilitate what may be residual binge eating habits, um, or an inability to kind of control intake at each meal. Um, And I would kind of view those as somewhere on that pathological spectrum. So I would just be looking out for it. Um, And then obviously, for someone with genuine performance goals, then I'm going to be hesitant to put them on a fat loss plan of action, unless it's the case that relative strength or performance relative to the body weight is actually something that's very important. Um, so for example, if someone is already, you know, relatively lean, they're in more or less the average body weight range for their sport, you know, let's say it's G- Gaelic football and they're roughly the same size as people in their, um, in similar positions on different teams, etc. And they now want to get leaner so they can see their abs and they really want to get shredded because they like that look. I would be questioning whether or not that's actually something that's going to support their sporting performance, because obviously in order to achieve that fat loss, you need to be in an energy deficit. And if you're in an energy deficit, by definition, you have less energy available to allocate to performance and recovery in your sport. So particularly if someone is mid-season or they have a very intense off-season period, I would be just hesitant to move on with fat loss unless it was something that was not going to hinder their performance. That's not to say that fat loss can't be pursued. Like if someone wants to do a tidy up phase, pull back two or three kilos to get to a weight that they want to be able to maintain, no problem. But if someone is just trying to get super lean for no reason other than the aesthetic side of that, um, while potentially trading off some of the performance, um, that they, that they had or have, then I would be again hesitant to move forward with that, um, or at least I'd at least discuss it uh, with them and make sure that we're very clear on what exactly we're, we're aiming at and why we're we're aiming at it.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And this is this is obviously very easy to see when we talk about like a sporting context, like because you see the performance decrement to or detriment, I should say, to being in a fat loss phase, even a relatively short and. Um, fat loss phase you're like okay look you've six weeks of dieting you only have whatever two or three kilos to lose like we could easily get that done in four to six weeks of dieting right and we could easily get it done in two weeks of dieting if it was really aggressive which are definitely more likely to see performance you know detriment or a detrimental performance impact from that right excuse me so it's very easy to see it in the the sporting context however this is the case for everyone, because well, we go back to that initial like three things, health, body composition, performance, most people just think of performance in terms of like, oh, the weights I lifted in the gym or, you know, the time I ran during my run or whatever it is. Right. But it's also your day to day performance. It's also your mental performance. It's your uh, emotional performance, we'll say. Right. Like you are just not your best person when you are dieting, when you don't have energy. Like, do you think you're going to show up to work and be like, I'm ready to attack the day, I'm ready to really get, you know, stuck into like, whatever it is that you do, like, you are not going to be that person, when you are in a calorie deficit, when you are eating less food, like, it's energy at the end of the day, if you don't have that freely available energy, you are going to start pulling it from other areas. And that other area, it might not actually be the training for you, you know, it might not be, oh, I see a, a, a decrease in my strength, or I see a decrease in my performance or whatever like you might actually be seeing increases there but you're then seeing decreases in your quality of life outside of that and this is something that it's very hard to see as a coach because like i don't know how your work performance is you know i don't like i don't see it i don't see when you're like your boss giving out to you because you used to be able to get x amount of work done and now you're like getting x minus (laughs) three uh work done you know it's like like i don't see that you know and you might be like oh i'm really stressed in work and like i can see these kind of uh subtle cues of like okay you're saying stress and work a bit more you're saying whatever and it's like is this actually a consequence of the fact that we're in a diet and you're actually probably performing a little bit worse than usual like it could be so we have to address that so i just want people to realize that while it's very easy to see in terms of a sporting context if this is a sort of again a, a yellow flag i would say an amber flag or an orange flag but look we digress um this is one of those things where it's a little bit easier to see in the performance context of a sporting context, but it also applies to your everyday life. It applies to what you do in work. It applies to how you show up for your family, your friends, et cetera. Like not only this is one of the things about dieting, like not only does it lead to, uh, you know generally a reduction in socializing because you know you're like oh well, I can't go out to eat because I'm you know staying on plan or I can't do xyz because I'm trying to stay on plan or whatever right it also leads to a situation where your friends actually don't like you as much because you're just not the same person you don't have as much energy you're not as talkative you're not as you know outgoing you're not as bubbly etc etc you know and um, and this is why in the health and fitness world and in the broader world overall, people abuse the fuck out of stimulants because it actually allows them to present that more energetic person. But again, in the context that we're looking at, that might not be a good approach overall because you end up in a position where you're eating into recovery elsewhere because you know what comes up must go down. If you're literally hammering stimulants, like all that adrenergic signaling, it's it's going to have an impact downstream. You know, you'd be like, oh, well, why am I not actually able to get my heart rate below, you know, 60? You know, it's like, why are you stressed all the time? Why is your sleep impacted? Why is X, Y, Z, all the stuff downstream of that? Like, it's not, you're you're starting impacting your health then, you know, or you even start impacting your uh, performance in the gym or whatever because you're not actually able to recover, right? And so this is one of those things where you really do have to be multifaceted in your approach. And this is why we wanted to record this episode because it's very easy to get caught up in saying like, oh, it's just a fat loss diet. I just want to lose a couple of kilos, no big deal, right? When in reality, that's simply just not the case, right? Like we actually have to dig into what your goals are first and foremost, like Gary was saying, is like, are, are your goals performance goals, right? And if your goals are performance goals, like how much is that worth to you in terms of like a pie chart, like like, what does that look like? You know, if you have a hundred percent energy allocation, like how much would your ideal allocation be towards performance? You know, and what does that look like for you? It's like, Oh, do we have actual strength metrics that we want to hit? Do we have actual performance metrics, you know, running time, you know, starting position or starting on the team, whatever, like different metrics you can use, right. To be like, Oh, like am I doing a good job performance? Right. You need to be aware that fat loss might impact on that. And while you might be like, yeah, actually, I wouldn't mind having, you know, veins on my abs because I really like the aesthetic appeal of that. Or, you know, like you might be a woman or something and you might already have abs because it's a little bit easier for women to get abs. And you might be like, oh, I want to, you know, reduce the body fat on my legs. You know, and there's a little bit of cellulite on my legs that I don't like. So I'm going to really uh, push for fat loss. When in reality, it's like this individual is already leaner than, you know, 99% of the, the people on earth. Right. So We have to be really cautious when we're just going into a fat loss phase, like with that mentality of, oh, it's just a fat loss phase. When in reality, it has to actually respect all of your goals. You know, like the vast majority of people have an issue with goal setting as is, you know, and like we do a few things with our coaching in terms of helping people with with goal setting. Um, But even then, it's like, it's just a very hard process. And it's something that you have to constantly reevaluate of. Okay, I've got X, Y, Z of my goals achieved. You know, I got some fat loss here. Like, is more fat loss going to help? You know, and this might not be in a, uh, a huge issue where it's like, oh well, if I go for more fat loss, it's going to cause more you know body dysmorphia or body image issues or you know mindset psychological issues, etc. It might not impact on any of those things, but it actually starts detracting from your other goals and your more. Quote unquote um, important goals for you you know so it's like w- we actually have to be very multifaceted in our approach and again we shouldn't just think of it as oh it's just a fat loss phase
0: check absolutely um and one thing to ask yourself off the back of that and this is something that's really important is when you are thinking then about whether or not you should um pursue fat loss and how much you should pursue ask yourself if you feel psychologically prepared to deal with the fallout when you regain weight. Because this is something that most people aren't prepared for. And this is especially relevant to those of you who are trying to get very lean, leaner than you've ever been before. Because let's say, hypothetically, you're an 80 kilo male at the moment, you can't see your abs. um, And you don't even see like a two pack or a four pack, right? You want to get get to see a a six pack or eight pack or whatever you happen to have, right? You want visible abs. Realistically, if you diet down to, let's say 70 kilos, okay, you're going to lose 10 kilos. And you now see your abs, you got like a little vein or two on your abs, really took a lot of effort to get there. There's going to be some weight regain, you know, it's almost inevitable. Okay. Especially if you're trying to get very lean. And one of the things that can happen then is, Because this is the first time, assuming it's the first time that you've ever been that lean, you now have a new expectation of what your normal is. So that feels like a normal physique to you because you've pursued it, you've achieved it. And what can happen then is as you regain weight, let's say you go back to 74 kilos, even you just gain four kilos, you're still six kilos lighter than you were at the beginning you might now feel even fatter than you did at the beginning and even worse about yourself than the beginning because you've got a new reference point. So you have to be in a position where you're psychologically prepared for that. And that, that's actually the reason that we you know, want you to think about whether or not you should pursue fat loss, because for some people, the fallout after that actual successful fat loss period might leave them in a worse position than they were in the beginning. You know, you may be a bit leaner, but you're now way worse off psychologically because you just weren't prepared for that. So that's something to really have a think about because most people never think about this because all they're focused on is actually getting lean in the first place. The classic example is the, the um, bodybuilding physique sports where people will plan all the way up to their show day, but they have no idea what they're doing afterwards. And then they end up really badly off um, psychologically and physiologically.
1: Yeah, and it's it's just... It's so hard to uh, do all of this on your own, right? And that sounds like it's like a, a pitch for like coaching and be like, oh, well, you need a coach to uh, you know engage in fat loss. But it is so hard to be this like multifaceted or use this multifaceted approach and think of all these different outcomes when you're like, oh, I just need to tone up. I just need to you know drop a little bit of body fat, right? You actually have to do a lot of thinking and a lot of planning ahead of time to actually make this successful, which is why you see people... I was going to say unsucceed, or you see people not succeed in fat loss endeavors repeatedly, right? Like you look at the research, people do fucking terribly with fat loss, right? And it's like, yeah, it's because it is an intervention, right? Whatever intervention you use to elicit that fat loss that has to actually be right for the individual. So you have to actually do some screening beforehand you then have to have appropriate goals, which we'll, we'll touch on to next in a second. Um, and then you actually have to have a, a, we'll call it an exit strategy. Like you actually have to plan so much. I think that seems like, you know, that's, that's fine. You have to do some screening. You have to come up with an appropriate plan and then you have to have an exit strategy. But while that sounds easy to do, like ask yourself right now, like if you're a health professional you're a health and fitness individual, professional, whatever, like ask yourself right now is, do you actually do that with yourself? Like, most of you don't, right? Ask yourself, would you have been able to do that at the start of your health and fitness journey? Like most of you definitely would not have been able to. So you can understand why the 95% of people that don't engage in exercise in this world, you can understand why they struggle with it as well, right? Especially when the environment is also set up in a way that makes it harder for fat loss to occur and then also makes it harder to actually sustain that fat loss over time right so we need to be aware of that right but the first thing i kind of want to touch on with this uh the first thing i say as we are halfway through the podcast um but the next thing i want to touch on with this is like we actually have to have realistic standards we actually have to realistic ideals if you will of you know what is actually appropriate body fat levels to be at because most people have a skewed understanding of this in both directions right like you'll see the individual being like oh yeah like i'm 8% body fat when in reality they're 16% you know they just have you know relatively good we will call it good uh, distribution of fat so their abs are a little bit more visible right and um, And then you also have the other individuals that are like, oh, unless you're at like 5% body fat, like you're fat, right? And this is obviously goes back to that skewed standard, that skewed uh, set point that you've set for yourself, like you've ever gotten down to, you know, competition levels of leanness, everything else above and beyond that looks fat to you because you're like, oh, well, I can look like this. I remember when I had a millimeter of skin over my quads, no fat, (laughs) you know, it's like you've reset reset your, your standards, right? So we have this this kind of dichotomy where the general public um maybe doesn't know how lean is actually lean, right? Like you see people literally they'll be like, oh look at this individual. Like you think of like your uh classic like Irish mammy or whatever. Like they'll look at someone who's like quite clearly 30% body fat, you know, like they look at like a rugby player or something and they'll be like, oh he's really muscular. And you're like, this dude is literally carrying about 40 kilos of body fat. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like he's yeah well he does obviously have muscle as well. It's like He's actually severely overweight, you know, and people just have such a skewed perception of what is realistic with body fat. So what is realistic with body fat, Gary? And like, where, where is the like lower limit with things? And then where is the kind of upper limit with things? And can you also talk a little bit about the, the health ramifications of, you know, going outside of the, either side of that, because that realistically is the deciding factor because you might love the look of three percent body fat you know oh that's that's exactly the look i want but in reality it's it's probably not a healthy place to to hang out for too long so what's realistic are you like i'm coming to you and i'm like yeah look fat loss i don't have any of these red flags i don't have even like yellow flags but i just i plain simple just don't know what's realistic i'm looking at all these fitness models and i'm like i'd love to look like that like is that possible is it you know, need to go on drugs. Like, what's the story?
0: Yeah, I mean, realistically, most, most people in the modern environment are unlikely to be able to sustain the levels of body fat that you're going to see in fitness magazines or fitness photo shoots, whether they be male or female. Okay, that's the, the vast majority of cases. Um, the reality is that many people have different uh, set points or set point ranges, you could say where they find themselves settling when eating habitually. So some people will just eat habitually um, without doing all that much exercise, without trying to restrict or anything. And at their kind of normal diet, eating to appetite, making, you know, grand food choices, they might, you know, be, have a little bit of a a muffin top, you know, they might have a bit of cellulite. They might have um, 25% body fat as a male. Other people, might adopt that exact same approach and have veins on their quads, veins of their abs, be super lean. You know, it's not particularly common for people to um, be at that extreme level of leanness, but I do know some people, and I've had plenty of clients who struggle far more with the weight gain side of things because their their body fat settling point, so to speak, is actually just quite low. So that's going to determine effectively whether or not. Or, or what, yeah, whether or not a given level of body fat is realistic for you. Because if you're someone who, you know, classically, you're someone who's been obese, and um, you've always had a very high level of body fat, then for you, you might actually be on the higher end of the realistic range that we might expect for someone. Because I suppose, when I think about this, I don't think of it as being like a particular range that everyone is going to fit into. Instead, what I would think of is right? Where are we going to move from here? So for me, five to 10% of body weight loss at a time is a sound approach. So for example, if you're a hundred kilos losing between five to 10 kilos, and then taking some sort of uh, diet break or maintenance period, that for me is a solid approach. I think you need to break up those periods of time and then reevaluate. So the way you would do that, let's say, is let's say you're a hundred kilos you lose, let's say 10 kilos in the first phase, you know, you still feel good. You're still happy at the level of calories you're at. You feel healthier, you're energetic, etc. So you take a four week break maintaining, and then you want to get into another dieting phase. This time you lose seven kilos. You're still feeling good. You know, take your diet break again, and then you try it again. And you, this time you lose five kilos, but you're starting to feel your energy is a bit poor. you know, you do have abs at this point, you're quite lean, but your energy suffering, your appetite is way up, you're struggling to sleep. And that's even the case as you begin to maintain that body weight just doesn't feel particularly sustainable for you. There are the types of things that you need to be paying attention to. It's what's actually happening when you get to a given level of body fat. Um, and, and a lot of people try to override that through you know diet hacks or overexercising and just adopting practices that they know aren't really going to be sustainable in the long run. Like if you have to diet um, doing two hours of cardio per day, let's say, and you actually have to maintain that then maintain that body weight, and you're still doing the two hours of cardio per day, you have to ask yourself, are you going to do this forever? You know, how are you actually feeling? How's your work performance? How's your sleep, energy levels, et cetera. So that's my kind of, I guess, real world recipe for trying to figure out what the realistic range is for you is to, if you're at a certain point where you want to lose body fat, you feel like you haven't got any of the contraindications we've mentioned previously, then you have to initially try that out, see how it goes, and then see how you feel along the way effectively. Um, Of course, you can give rough, rough and ready ranges. I think that somewhere between uh, 10 and, you know, 15% body fat for males is going to be relatively achievable for a lot of people for some 15 to 20 might be a great improvement on where they were previously. Um, and then for females, I suppose you're talking kind of high teens to mid twenties, maybe a little bit higher would be roughly corresponding ranges if I recall correctly. Um, and just recognizing as well that, you know, but giving body fat ranges is, is, is somewhat futile because it's ultimately about you know how you look how you feel about how you look and then obviously your health markers that correspond to that um so so yeah i think uh they're my points
1: yeah like it realistically does come back to like how you look feel and perform you know it's like that's that's what you're actually using as your metric for whether or not this is a good body fat level to be at because this is not like well park your example there where you're, you're just talking about we'll call the more uh psychological stuff like how you feel right I think that's pretty intuitive to understand that like you know some people are going to get down to a level of body fat where even if they're eating enough calories you know they're maintaining they're doing whatever they still kind of feel a little bit crappy because they're they're too lean for their individual physiology you know and that might be cured over time like I say cured as if it's a disease but it might be cured over time by just like spending longer at that body fat which is the hard thing um where it's like you know sometimes this is just the case of you know you need to spend a little bit longer at eating that maintenance eating enough to get rid of all of that fatigue that has been built up to get to that point you know and that could be the case um but very generally another example which makes it a little bit clearer i hope well i'll give two examples because this then does hit all three of our health performance body composition stuff so with gary's example it's more so just the body composition stuff where it's like oh you just don't feel good at this body composition level whereas like, you could have performance decreases at a certain level of body fat and not see those you know cured effectively until you get back to another level of body fat or body weight you know like for example you might be a runner and you might be thinking oh being lighter as a runner It's going to improve my performance, right? But every time you get down to a certain level of body fat or a certain level of body weight, you just start noticing that your performance just gets shitter. You know, even if you're eating enough calories, even if you're doing everything right by the book, your sleep is great, your stress management is great, et cetera. When you get to a certain level of body fat, your performance just turns to fucking muck, you know, and that is individual for you. It's going to be different for everyone. Right. So that is another thing. And again, you'll see that as well with strength. And some of it is like, you know, leverages and stuff, especially if it's like powerlifting, it's like, you might get to a certain level of body fat and your squat just goes to fucking crap because you don't actually have, you know, a little bit of a power gut that you used to have that was, you know, helping you with some like, you know, pressure on the thighs to kind of push you back up, etc. cetera. Um, or you might not have as much padding in the back of your kneecap or different things like that, that actually contribute to your performance. Now that you're a little bit leaner, you've actually lost all of that stuff, right? So that is another thing to be aware of that your performance could decrease and it's not actually going to go back to the level that you want until you've actually regained some body fat or until you're actually at a body composition level that is, Above what you, you know, visually, aesthetically, whatever you want to say, want to be at, you know, like I personally would love, like I actually find it relatively easy to psychologically, et cetera, walk around and be at that kind of 8% body fat level. You know, it's like I don't have to push too hard to get to that level. I don't have to, I don't, like, I don't notice any huge uh, decreases in any health markers, et cetera, et cetera, right? Everything else is good, but my performance is not where I like it to be, you know, I'm not able to like perform at the level in either like the gym or in work, um, or in like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, I'm just not able to perform at the level that I want to perform at. Right. So I could prioritize if that is my priority, I could be like, all right, I'm going to prioritize being absolutely shredded 8% body fat. But to do that, I have to take that little hit in terms of my performance elsewhere, you know, and for you, again, it goes back to that goal setting that might be okay for you. You know, for me, I really enjoy the gym. I really enjoy seeing progressive overload. I really enjoy seeing the weights go up over time. I really enjoy like, you know, tweaking things and being like, oh, let's, you know, work on this little adaptation here, blah, blah, blah. And those adaptations just come by so fucking slowly when I am that lean, you know, like once I dip below 89 kilos for me, it's like performance metrics are just not there except for on my squat. My squat always gets better. Like any kind of squat patterning just gets better when I get leaner right? And like, it's been a little bit of counterintuitive, but there's a few reasons for that, which we won't get into here. Um, But everything else, it just, it, like, I just don't feel like perform as good, right? So that is, again, something to be aware of for you. And again, it isn't it isn't exactly like, oh, here's the, the blueprint, right? And then the other side of things as well is like, this can also happen with health metrics. Like you could be like, oh, I want to lose body fat because I want to see improvements in my health. But then you actually lose the body fat and yeah, you feel good. Your performance is good, but you're actually like, you know, get your blood work done. And all of a sudden you're like, this is actually fucking terrible, you know? And this could be a case of like, you know, your testosterone level is just in the gutter or other hormone levels are just in the absolute gutter. And, um, or it could also be something like, you know, your, uh, like blood lipids could be just you know terrible when you're dyslean, which is not necessarily always the case. And, you know, it's a little bit counterintuitive to what you would expect, but it does happen. Right. And, Maybe that's not an issue, but maybe it is an issue, right? So there are things, and another one that you commonly see is like micronutrient deficiencies. And when people do diet down to like low levels of body fat levels uh, or low levels of body fat. And so you could actually be compromising your health. And one of the things that it's its always something that I was going to go back and forth in my mind, especially with like natural, like quote unquote natural bodybuilders who all take drugs, just so we're all aware, they just, you know, take legal drugs or they skirt around like what is legal in their organization. Like for example, loads of them take Yohimbine and it's like, this is a, an, an unnatural drug, you know, if you want to say unnatural and um, that makes fat loss easier. But in a lot of federations, it's, perfectly uh, allowed in other natural federations it's not allowed so it's like this just gets into one of these discussions of like what is natural but like i would make a strong argument that natural bodybuilding is worse for your health than enhanced bodybuilding purely because thyroid is in the gutter like growth hormone levels are in the gutter fucking uh testosterone levels are in the gutter and like doing some sort of like therapeutic replacement would actually lead you to being healthier at those different ranges then we just get into this argument of like oh is that performance enhancing etc right um but that's again a discussion for another day but there are some things that i think about when i'm looking at this fat loss percentage or this fat loss range this body body fat range i'm like okay we need to look at how you look feel and perform one of the things is we actually have to get to that level of body fat to actually assess that right and we have to be assessing that along the way while also layering on top the fact that to get to that level of body fatness you actually have to be in a deficit but what you feel in the deficit isn't necessarily what you're going to feel longer term like you might be in a 500 calorie deficit and be feeling like crap at this level of body fat But as soon as you go back to a maintenance period, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, wow, I actually feel great at this level of body fat. It was actually just the deficit that was making me feel like crap, which is really hard, again, if you're coaching yourself. And it's even harder if you never have strategic maintenance periods, you know, semi built in to the plan. You know, if you have no idea how to maintain, that's one of the key benefits of a maintenance period. It teaches you how to maintain. Again, earlier on we discussed, it's basically like a third of the pie and If you never know how to maintain, you're not going to be able to maintain. So that's a key part of having it. But also a key part of having those maintenance periods is that it actually allows you to feel what it's going to be like longer term at that body fat level, right? Like you might diet down. You might get down to 10% body fat and be like, man, I feel like crap. feel like death, no energy, et cetera. Performance is going down, you know my fucking libido or whatever is, you know, it's just not where I want it to be. And then all of a sudden we're like, okay, we have a two week maintenance period here, a four week maintenance period, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden you're like, you're three, four days into that. And you're like, wow, actually I feel phenomenal. I feel great. Energy level is through the roof. Performance levels are through the roof. You know, libido is just fucking through the roof. And you know, it's like, okay, so it's not necessarily the body fat that's hitting you. It's the lack of energy availability. It's the calorie deficit that was getting to you. So we maybe have a little bit more uh, leeway or room to push body fat levels down another little bit before we start, you know, encountering actual issues. Right. So again, that's hard to do if you're coaching yourself and it's hard to do if you don't ever build in maintenance periods into your plan overall. So that is definitely something that I would uh, encourage overall. And, um, Do you have anything to say on that, Gary, in terms of body fat levels? Like, I definitely do agree with you. It's very hard to give uh, an absolute range. Like, again, you could very easily say, okay, well, 8 to 16% body fat for a male. You'd be like, that's a good range to be in, in terms of general health metrics. Like, I do believe that's what the research would show. Like, people generally see better health somewhere in that range if we're talking purely aesthetics, it's probably going to be closer to that 8% for most people. They're going to be like, oh, I want to be a little bit leaner. Um, But again, that might compromise performance, that might compromise health. So we have to go back to our goals. And then for women as well, like I would agree with you. That's probably somewhere in the high teens. Let's just say 17, just picking that. It could be 16, could be 15, but let's say 17, you know, 17% body fat all the way up to like 30% body fat. And obviously there are cases as well where you could be even, you know, have more body fat than that and still be in a, a healthful range. Like women do tend to be able to have more body fat and still be healthy and for at least for longer than men. Like, you know, say it takes a, a man gets to whatever we'll say 20% body fat, it takes a year for that to have deleterious health outcomes in terms of, you know, blood lipids, you know, plaque accumulation or whatever else. Like a woman might get five years out of that. You know, it's just, it's just a benefit of being a woman, you know, and this is why, you know, men, well, one of the many, many reasons why men die younger than uh, women. So this is something to be aware of that women do have a little bit more leeway with a lot of this stuff on the upper side. However, men have a little bit more leeway on the bottom side of this. Like they're not going to run into as many issues with getting as a lean. Now this is somewhat offset with the fact that women don't have to get as lean as men, like getting to 8% versus being at 17%. Obviously there's a huge, huge difference there. Um, But in terms of the, how they look, feel, perform at 18 or at 8% for a guy, generally they're going to feel better than a woman is going to feel at, you know, 17, 15, 16, whatever percentage it is. And and also they're probably going to see less negative health impacts from being that lean, you know, whereas for women, they probably will run into more health issues to get to that level of leanness, you know? And so that is something to be aware of, to layer onto your thinking in terms of, like where do I ultimately want to fall and how does that actually represent my overall goals like yeah it might be aesthetically pleasing to you um, but is it actually respecting your health and your performance goals it might not be and again we have to look at it from both sides of the, the coin and um, and this is one of those things which it's very easy to say all of that and then turn around and be like oh yeah so I'm respecting my uh performance and health metrics by virtue of you know staying at 20 percent body fat when in reality it's like your performance is actually crap like your performance would actually be better if you were a little bit leaner and like you're you're just not fit you know it's like okay you're looking at one performance metric it's like just pure strength and then also your health probably better when you're not like 30 percent body fat as a male you know so it's like you can say things and be like oh i'm staying at this body fat level because of health or because of performance or because of whatever but for a lot of people when you actually do take that step back and you're not you know in the moment of the the thinking you actually realize that it's just a bit of a lie so that you don't have to diet (laughs) which you know again i do a lot of calls and you'll also see that a lot where people are like oh yeah i want to start gaining and you're like you you are in a position that you would just start compromising your health and actually compromising your performance if we were to start gaining from this position which is obviously the flip side of this coin that we've been talking about right um
0: but what are your thoughts there gary nothing i think that covers it all you know we've 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 beaten that horse
1: (laughs) and well there is one thing i wanted to cover on this and this is The fact that, and again, I touched on a little bit earlier on when I was talking about, you know, if you are trying to build a more comprehensive plan of action, like having maintenance periods, one of the things that you can do throughout, whether you decide to go for a fat loss phase or not, is to focus on health. Uh, outcomes or health habits I suppose is a better way of thinking of this in terms of like what things are you going to do day to day that are actually going to set you up for better health in the future and they're also going to set you up for um, uh, an easier transition to a more maintainable diet rather than being in a deficit you know it's like are we eating protein throughout the day are we working on like a sleep stress management all those other stuff that we've talked about before a million times are we actually doing that in a day-to-day context? Are we actually setting ourselves up for success long-term or are we just prioritizing purely fat loss in the moment, right? Because that small little change in the mindset, it actually has huge, huge huge ramifications down the line in terms of actually achieving what you want to achieve and actually being in the position that you want to be in, you know, for the rest of your life, right? Um, And I kind of want to just end this on top of that, unless you have anything to add to that fantastic one question that i do ask a lot of people when they are looking for fat loss when they are really focusing on this stuff because it happens like how you said like once you once you've seen a certain level of body fatness like all the other levels above that like all the percentages above that you're kind of like oh I like that. i'm not as lean as i once was or whatever right and um, and then also from the outside looking in, you might be like, oh man, I would definitely be happier if I had, you know, veins running through my abs or whatever else, right? Like two questions that I actually, again, I ask quite a lot are like, will losing fat right now actually make you love yourself more, right? And that sounds a bit wishy-washy in terms of like, oh, I love myself or whatever else, but like realistically, no one else is going to love you unless you love yourself, So like, that's the foundation. And if you think, having this hyper focus of hatred towards your body somehow, you know, is going to make you love yourself more. You know, if you're just looking at your body going like you are fucking disgusting, you know, you've got fat here. And like, that's the self-talk you have. It's like, that's not going to lead to a good position. That's not going to lead to an outcome where you actually end up loving yourself more, you know, like, and yeah, well, you might be like, oh, well, if I got rid of this body fat right here, you know, then I would actually be allowed to love myself. Then I would actually be able to love myself. I can tell you right now, that's very rarely the case. Like I can, I can think about fucking 200 clients that I've had just off the top of my head where we've gotten to a level of body fatness where they're like, Oh yeah. Once I just get to the next point here, or once I just lose this small bit of fat here, or, you know, it's like, then I'll be able to be, I'll be happy with this. And I'm like, you have been saying this for the last 10%, you know, the last two months you've been going like, oh yeah, when I hit this next milestone, I'll I'll allow myself to be happy. Or when I hit this next one, then I'll allow myself to be happy. I'm like, stop moving the goalpost. You know, like you're either allowed to be happy regardless of what you look like, or you're just always going to be chasing this imaginary point, you know? And a lot of people fall into that trap of chasing this imaginary point. And in reality, it's just because they don't want to be happy you know, it's like, like they actually don't want to be happy. They're, they're happy being unhappy. Right. And that's something that we actually need to work on. And rather than just like, you know, obviously I'm, I'm being a little bit hyperbolic when I say that, but it is something that needs to be actually addressed. It's a psychological issue. It's not a, you know, physiological or physical issue. It's like, you no, know, these people actually want to hate their body, you know, and that could be for a variety of reasons. It could be like, you know, you know, deep-rooted fucking trauma in their past, where it's like they actually feel like they're not worth anything. So when they actually achieve their goals, they're like, you know what, that wasn't good enough. Wasn't quite good enough. Even though I achieved the exactly what I set out to achieve, I'm going to say that wasn't good enough. And you're like, why was it not good enough? You know. But that is a question to ask yourself. Like, will losing actually make you love yourself more? Right? Like, will losing that body fat actually make you make you love yourself more? You might not know the answer to that question. You know, if you've never been lean, you might be like. I don't know, maybe, but a lot of people have gotten to a level of leanness that are, that is leaner than the position they are right now. And you need to think to yourself, like, did I love myself more at that level of leanness, you know? And unless that quite the answer to that question is a resounding, yes, it actually made me love myself, you know, 10 times more, 20 times more when I was five kilos leaner Then. We need to reassess whether or not you know this we're doing this for the right reasons. You know, like if you're like, all oh, right, I know actually I feel far better in myself, I look, feel, perform, etc., when I'm five kilos lighter and I just want to, you know, get back to that level going into that fat loss phase, I could be like, all right, we're actually, you know, fairly well in a good position. Whereas you are like, yeah, I used to be actually 10 kilos lighter, fucking hated myself then. I'm like, okay, well, like, we're, we're not actually going to get a, a better loving environment <laughs> just by losing fat, you know? If like, we already know like, okay, you've lost 10 or you've gained 10 kilos. And if we were to lose those 10 kilos again, you don't necessarily love yourself anymore. It's like, we need to address that, right? And then also a further question that I ask to this is like, Will losing fat significantly improve your life right now? You know, for some people, obviously that's a resounding yes. Like if you're like, oh, you know, I have health implications or health issues that, you know, losing body fat right now is actually going to improve them. Then obviously that's a resounding yes. But if you're just in you know, general Joe soap or whatever, and, and you're like, oh, will losing body fat improve my life? Like that's something that you need to think about. You actually need to sit back and be like, okay, say I do lose you know, five kilos, 10 kilos, 20 kilos, whatever it is, like, how is that actually going to improve your life, right? Just the fat loss, just the fat loss aspect Don't don't focus on the health habits, don't focus on anything else. Like, obviously, we know that they're going to improve your life, you're going to have more energy, you're going to feel great, blah, 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 just by engaging in exercise and you know eating well. But why does it have to be in a calorie deficit, right? Like, why do we actually have to lose the fat? Like, for some individuals, for sure, you're going to feel better, you're actually going to improve your life by losing body fat. But for a lot of individuals, what they actually need is just an improvement in their overall diet, an improvement in their sleep, an improvement in their training, an improvement in all these other aspects. And it's not necessarily fat loss that they need, right? So that is something to be aware of. Like you need to ask those two questions, like will fat loss actually make you love yourself more? And then will fat loss actually improve your life right now? What are your thoughts there, Gary? And don't give me a simple one-word answer because I could see you were nodding off right there. You were about to snooze. You were like, mm, I need some some absolute fire to finish this podcast up.
0: I'm sure the listeners are about to snooze as well. Um, no, like, I mean, I basically said it already. Look, fat loss is not guaranteed to improve your life. Yes, there's a high probability that any Person sampled in the population is probably going to improve their health by losing a bit of body fat. Um, they'll probably perceive themselves to look a little bit better, um, but that's not the case for everyone. And that's particularly the case in the sample that we have a biased selection of here, which is a fit cohort of people. Like most people who listen to this podcast are probably already in the gym, you know, managing their diet in some way. You're probably in decent shape compared to. Most of the population, you know, um, and for that reason, it's not a guarantee, and it's definitely lower probability than the average person in the population that you'll improve your health or improve your perceived well-being by moving forward with uh, fat loss and getting significantly leaner. So you have to ask yourself those questions: Is this going to improve my quality of life? Is it going to improve my sense of self-worth or self-esteem or self-efficacy or whatever? Um, and the answer to that isn't always yes so you have to ask the question
1: fantastic anyway that kind of wraps up that podcast obviously this is a bit more of a higher level I suppose podcast and um, not that it's like you know higher level thinking is required but it is one of those things where you kind of have to step back from being in the thick of it because I know so many people like we've, the two of us have definitely both been in this position where you're just like oh yeah like body composition that's what we focus on you know we want to get shredded fucking, get, okay, you know jacked and whatever else and you're just very much in the moment of that or even like you know other times you're gonna be like oh very much like focused on health and very much you know whatever when in reality it's like we actually need to be able to step back and actually assess critically what are the merits of this intervention because and we've said it before it's like a fat loss intervention is not without risk like there is the possibility of risk with a fat loss intervention whether that's a health risk in terms of you know uh physiological health risk or a psychological health risk like they're both present you know and also we have to look at it from the perspective of, especially the two of us are coaches and like we are trying to help people achieve their goals and one part of that is actually setting goals you know it's actually being clear on what the goal is and You have to very often with coaching, help an individual be clear on their goals because they don't actually know what they want. They have a very vague idea of what they want, and you have to help them set more clear and tangible goals within that. And if you're not able to take a step back, you're just going to end up advocating for fat loss for everyone. You're just going to be like, oh, yeah, well, fat loss is clearly associated with better health outcomes, so let's lose fat. When in reality, you should have more appropriately screened this individual and realized that their goals doesn't like, they don't require fat loss. You know, it's like, yeah, okay, maybe some small amount of fat loss would help them, but they actually care more about performance. They actually care more about just building something sustainable for the rest of their life. They want to know how to manage social occasions. They want to get rid of this like food anxiety, this food guilt and you know, different things like that. And, um, and it has actually nothing to do with fat loss, you know, so like don't end up as a coach trying to always fit a square peg into a round hole you actually need to help the client. Like that's what they're coming to you for,
0: you know? Yes, sir. So I'm about to uh, wet myself. So if you would be so kind as to close us out, I will go to the bathroom.
1: No, you're not allowed Gary. You have to literally tell people where they can find us and then we can end this.
0: Oh, as always guys, you can find us across social media and our respective platforms, uh, triage method and all of our coaches, just look at who we're following on our Instagram page and you'll be able to find the rest of our uh, coaches. And if you are interested in coaching, of course, you can join up, sign up, subscribe to our coaching service to be able to work with one of our expert coaches, whether that be for training and nutrition or just nutrition. And if you're a coach yourself, you can sign up to the triage method coaches corner to learn more about the theory and practice of uh, personal training. So do all those things and visit the links down below. If you'd like to submit a question to the podcast, if you'd like to review the podcast, that would be very welcome. Um, Or even just share it around on your story or other respective social media platforms. um, If you enjoy the podcast.
1: Fantastic, Gary. You are allowed to urinate now.
0: Goodbye, guys. See you later.